0: another episode of the M&A Mastermind Podcast, your go-to source for latest industry trends and strategies to help you level up your M&A practice. I am your host, Nick Olson, Managing Director of Cornerstone International Alliance. We are a group of lower middle market M&A firms. Here, the, the, the format for our, epi- our podcast is uh, I bring in a mastermind like today's guest who's experienced, knowledgeable, and gracious enough to share how they or he has succeeded in the world of M&A. And I'm really excited about today's guest. Um, he is the founder and CEO of the largest online plat- platform for M&A deal sourcing and marketing. I would imagine a lot of our viewers use this platform, and if not, I highly recommend that you check it out um, and learn more about that. He is a graduate from the Stanford University Business School, founded this company over 10 years ago. Uh, if you haven't guessed who it is already, my guest is CEO and founder of Axio. Peter Lehman. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Nick. Thank you for inviting me on yeah well I'm really excited to have you on the show today um you know we've known each other for a while and and have uh you know collaborated in the past and really excited to have you on here um so wanted to dive in you know real quick um and excited for the conversation today but uh you know you founded axial what, over ten years ago um tell us you know and maybe if you give us a brief background pre what you know what you did pre you know um axial and then why you founded this platform and what, what, what problem you think it helped uh, in the MA industry. So I spent my, uh, th- thanks again,
1: Nick, for having me on. I'll, 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 I'll give the, the, the long story um, uh, concisely. I, I, I was um, Virginia undergrad and um, came out of Virginia in 2001. Once people ask me, I always say I'm, I'm like perfect at timing massive bear markets in terms of when I've graduated from, uh, from school. So I I graduated May of 2001. Uh, you know, the internet was dead. Um, and all of the investment banking and IPO markets were dead. Uh, I don't, I barely even think there was like, you know, an investment banking hiring class that year from the big, uh, investment banks. It turned out to be really lucky. I ended up, um, Uh, joining my brother, Thomas, who had started a business in New York called Gerson-Lamond Group, which is now referred to as GLG. And uh, GLG um, delivered information and experts to professional investors um, who were buying and selling stocks and bonds. So it was an information services business selling to um, investors in public companies. And I learned all about that and was part of that business for six or seven years uh, before I went to graduate school. When I went to graduate school, I learned about private equity and, I had, you know, all these friends who were already in private equity and all the cool kids were uh, in private equity. And so I, I sort of scrambled to try and find I had a very nontraditional resume, but I, I scrambled my way to find uh, an internship in private equity and um, began to learn about how information flowed in private equity markets as opposed to public equity markets and that's when I learned about deal sourcing and how deal sourcing is this thing in the private markets that doesn't really exist in the public markets. You don't need to meet a CEO in order to buy their stock in a publicly traded company or buy their bonds. Um, and you can never close a transaction with a privately held company without a relationship with the owner. Um, this is fundamentally different the way the markets work. Um, and so deal sourcing is this huge area of Challenge, expertise, opportunity for advantage um, in in private markets in a way that it really is not in public markets. And um, so I, I worked at this uh, firm, uh, in, you know, when I was in graduate school during the year and then in the summer between year one and year two. And then um, Axial ended up being what I started after that. So I, I almost went to go work for them. It's a fantastic group of guys investing in lower middle market companies uh, based out of New York City and, and a suburb outside of New York. But at the end of the day, I guess I just decided that trying to start a company and tr- trying to build a business was a better fit for me than, than becoming uh, an investor. So, um, you know, that was 2009. I uh, just <laughs> just celebrated my 15th anniversary um, uh, in, in this chapter building Axial. So I've been working on it for a long time now.
0: I appreciate the context there and uh yeah that's I uh, love the journey there. Um so Axial, tell us all about, you know, this platform and and what it what it what it does, what it tracks, what how it helps, you know, investors and you know, mm-hmm. advisor, like why should why should we all be on this platform? Well, I know you've got a lot of um,
1: you know, investment banking professionals as 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 um as listeners and I know that's your your, your audience. So I'll, I'll spend more time maybe talking about that than I will the buy yep. side. I mean, in, in short, for a buy side professional, Axial is a, an, it's an origination channel, right? It's an origination platform for the buy side to find acquisition opportunities and to find acquisition opportunities that extend beyond the reach of their first party networks, right? You know, the people that they already know and the channels and relationships they are, that they already have. So that's how the buy side looks at it is you know I have all these potential channels and all these avenues that I need to walk down in order to find opportunities and which ones am I going to walk down and axial competes in a world with a ton of alternatives there um, for an investment banker on the sell side you know a- axial is effectively a, a marketing partner for you um, and it's a marketing partner in 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 a few ways it really all starts with deal marketing and using Axial to make sure you're driving the best process for your client who's selling their business. Um we give you data and tools about the most likely, most relevant buyers for any given business that you are either potentially going to take to market or you have already uh, received the assignment. So we've got a marketing platform for the sell side. It helps them discover new buyers. It helps them reach out to buyers and every buyer that's on the Axial platform has been vetted and reviewed and onboarded by Axial. Um, so it is not something where anybody can just sort of sign up and, and get underway. It's not an online bulletin board. Um, so we try and build a, a stronger marketing partner oriented solution for sell side investment bankers selling roughly five to a hundred million dollar businesses. Um, and that was kind of day one on the sell side for us. Uh, over the course of time, um, we have tried to be an even more valuable marketing partner to the sell side. And the two ways that we do that is through benchmarking. And um, we can talk a little bit about that, but we try to rate and benchmark the sell side on an industry basis and publish league tables um, on the activity and the proficiency of the investment bankers that use our platform and the the uh benchmarking turns into uh awards and other kinds of business development um mechanisms for the sell side to be able to distinguish themselves when they're competing for business um to 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 win over a, a business owner who's you know evaluating a couple different investment bankers um to to sell his or her business um, and then the third sort of leg of the stool, uh, on the investment banking side, um, is referrals. Um, so members on the sell side who are repeat users of Axial, uh, essentially establish, a, an expertise profile. And as business owners come to Axial and ask for introductions to MA advisors, we refer them to the most active and most qualified uh, M&A advisors that are using our platform. So if you're a specialist in selling industrial businesses, you have a track record of doing that really well, and we can see all of that data on the Axial platform, you know, you kind of rise to the top as one of typically two to three referrals that we'll make. Um, so it's sort of three-legged stool, benchmarking and ratings um, for marketing and promotion. The first is deal marketing and using our platform for um, your sell-side M&A transactions, and the third is sort of the benefit of all of that, which is referrals to business owners um, who are thinking about selling their business in the next one to two years. Um, and we we make a sort of private introduction between our members and the, and the business owner when the you know the stars align in terms of expertise and and capability.
0: Yeah, I want to jump back to the marketing side of it. You know here. With Peter, I know everyone has you know their list. Like we said, they're they're the, mm-hmm. the level, and they have their process of how they're going to go to market on a deal. Um, you know, it just seems naturally that you know you're still running your own process, right? Everybody's doing what they normally do, but to add on a tool and a resource like axial, you're only exposing your your deal to more opportunities. Um, you know, why not? Why, you know. That seems like a lot better than just, you know, the more is better, you know, more high deal deals better. You guys help with that, you know, seems like a logical thing to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's interesting, right? I think, I think more
1: is maybe roughly speaking better. I think, I think more quality is better. Um, mm-hmm. I think more, more is probably not better. I'd say more quality is, is better than, than less amounts of, of quality, right? I think, um, And so, you know, you know, we as a platform, you know, have way fewer users and way less traffic than the sort of bulletin board, um, you know, internet business for sale uh, classified sites. Um, Those are not, we don't view those as, as a real competitor to us. They're much bigger. They have way larger number of users, way more traffic. Um, We're, we're um so we don't really stand a chance at them in terms of just pure scale and numbers I think what we try to be much more effective at is two things one we try to be much much more valuable in terms of who we've attracted to the axial platform so everybody who's on the axial platform is interviewed evaluated and qualified and onboarded they all are attesting to being accredited investors or qualified buyers of companies uh, according to SEC definitions um, and in almost every case they either have an existing track record of executing transactions um, or they have been part of organizations where you know the organization um, has a history of executing transactions and so that that's very different than um, you know, then just going for the largest number, right? And, and so I think there's a place for both. Um, but I think that that's where we've tried to, to, to focus is, um, what is the amount of quality? I'd say the other area that matters a lot to some of the sell side firms that we work with and, Typically it's because of the owners and the owner's preferences. A lot of times they want to do very, very secretive sell side processes. And so Axial does not require you to post anything. There's no posting on Axial. There's no bulletin board process. You get to choose as the sell-side banker in partnership with your client, who do you reach out to? You get to see who we're recommending. You get to look at them line by line. You can see this is a family office. This is a committed capital private equity firm. This is a search fund. This is a strategic buyer. You can see all the names. You're not just uploading your data and then posting it and saying, whoever wants to see this, who has access to the internet um, you know, can see this information. You have a lot more agency over how you run the process. For really small main street deals that doesn't really that's actually not a very good feature um for businesses worth twenty thirty forty fifteen million dollars that's a crucial feature like that's a that's a very very important feature um so anyway we're we're focused on trying to drive a lot of great quality into the process and trying to make sure that the sell side and the owner have a lot of control over how narrow or broad the process is I think that's where we try and differentiate from a feature perspective
0: yeah no i really appreciate that clarification and you're right you know quality is better you know we our clients do want to have that confidentiality component so not just blasting it out to the masses you know appreciate you clarifying that and that is a huge benefit to being on your platform because there is that confidentiality and yeah like you hit on it you know you don't always want to get in front of more just because it's more you want to get in front of more quality that, that could turn into prospects and good buyers, and you know you guys vetting your buyers is you know we do that with with our members we want to vet our members kind of in the same way we want quality and we want the right people and people that are going to execute and collaborate and uh, i would imagine you know it's kind of you know in our different worlds you know similar to how we bring on people into our into our groups um do you do you guys do any any sort of vetting i know like you said you got the league tables which we'll get into in a minute but um mm-hmm. you know which and, and we were talking offline beforehand on. You know just the quality of even sell side m and a advisory firms do you do any vetting on the front end for the sell side as well just to make sure that the deals that you know they bring to the to your platform are quality deals well we i mean the answer is kind of
1: yes we we do have some things that we require, so from a financial criteria perspective you know the the um you know the the sort of approved criteria for axial are businesses generating in excess of five million in trailing twelve month or or last calendar year revenues or businesses generating in excess of five hundred thousand dollars of EBITDA so that's kind of the floor from a financial profile perspective mm-hmm. um, we don't rate and vet um, advisors in terms of um, you know like the quality of their transaction processes and we don't ban people who do things in a way that some of our members you know we we don't like that approach we we do have a rating system um we have a uh we also have an ability to block members so you can block members that you don't want to transact with going forward um But we don't like the idea of, you know, sort of blocking people from using Axial on the sell side uh, just because they don't have like a certain level of of pedigree as sell side investment professionals. And I'd say the reason for that is because um, just listening to our customers, frankly, on the buy side, we obviously have customers on both sides of the platform, but our customers on the buy side. I would prefer to work with a professional, well-organized sell-side intermediary. It makes their lives easier, but they don't have a desire or a preference to, you know, to block or ban or not do business with brokers who do things in a way that that they don't love, you know, at the end of the day, acquirers are looking at the underlying asset that's being sold. And what is that business? And what's that team like? And what is that team trying to achieve? And what kind of, you know, investment return case can we, you know, can we envision here? And, and so, you know, the, the, the sell side broker banker, while we're, you know, certainly keeping track of, their behavior and their activity and and helping the market you know with ratings data and information on that you know we measure their responsiveness we indicate whether they use digital ndas or not we indicate whether they've uploaded a sim you know so we have these markers of professionalism um but we don't enforce or insist upon only one way to sell a business or you know one type of pedigree that's acceptable we don't
0: think that's correct yeah that makes makes, makes sense um from uh from i guess from the buyer's perspective as well um you know you got i'm assuming you you guys have conversations you and your team have conversations um you know with your buyers right Are are you guys in constant communication on things that they're looking for in deals and and some you know things that maybe you can share with our audience that help them presenting the, you know, maybe the right information, the right type of deals or helping them understand the deals better from the buyer side? You know, I don't think it's, um, uh, first of
1: all, yes, you know, we, we have, we have a lot of conversation. We have about five and a half thousand conversations every 90 days with our members. Um, so and that's both the sell side members and, and the buy side members. So, so so while Axial is a software platform and it's an internet service, there is a really significant amount of uh, relationships and interaction and conversation that we believe is, is integral to how we do business and how we support the market of members. So the, the answer is yes. We have a lot of conversations yeah. with a lot of members on the buy side and on the sell side, um, helping them make the most of. Of um of the capability set, I would say that um, you know, I I think the buy side is there's a lot of breadth on the buy side and and when I you know a breadth of preference, and so I do think that there's a couple things that you know the buy side intuitively values right one you know well just good. Well written business descriptions really, really are valuable. I think looking at a business only by looking at like last 12 months of revenue and EBITDA or last 12 months of revenue and seller discretionary earnings, it's not that that's unimportant. It's that it's really, really hard to know whether or not a business is interesting based upon, you know, um, just like the industry that it's in. And the last 12 months of revenue and the last 12 months of, you know, uh, of EBITDA. The business description really ends up being a place where I think the banker can distinguish themselves in terms of just presenting a story around the business, presenting clarity around the customer, uh, the customer markets. I think the customer markets are really important. I think, you know, knowing is this a business that serves, you know. One end market, or does it serve a whole horizontal set of end markets? You know, is it a business that serves pharmaceutical and aerospace and petrochemical, or is it like a business that's you know very specifically tied like only to home building? And those things really matter because those those kinds of customer attributes just create a lot of um, visibility for the buy side on whether this is a good fit for them or not. I think um, so. Business description is a place where we see a lot of opportunity and a lot of value either being created or a lot of opportunity being missed. Um, And what ends up happening is, you know, I think sometimes the sell side realizes, well, like, you know, if they're interested, like, you know, they'll spend the time to have a conversation, you know, and they'll dig in a little bit more deeply on this. I think sometimes that's true, but I think sometimes it's not true. I think if, if the initial summary of the business is not sufficiently clear, I think what ends up happening is a meaningful portion of the buy side says, well, in the presence of all these other alternatives that I have, all these other, you know, potential deals that I'm going to look at, my eye is going to wander more towards those businesses where I have faster visibility on just the like basic nuts and bolts of the opportunity. And so, you know, Everybody's distracted, everybody's getting pinged by a million apps these days. You know, I think that initial hook, that initial uh summary of the business, it's like you really have to put your marketing hat on as an investment banker and really think about how do you capture somebody's attention um and how do you signal that, you know, this is a business that's going to be professionally represented. So, I just wouldn't under I wouldn't underestimate the value that can be created at the top of the funnel with uh really good um with really good teasers. I think I see a lot of variation uh, between M&A advisors in terms of adoption of like digital document execution. Uh, I see some brokers and, and bankers who are like, nope, we like to do, you know, uh, offline documents because it introduces friction into the process. And we want to sort of see, you know, buyers climbing a couple of hurdles in order to pursue the deal. Other, you know, other folks are like, nope, that's not the right place to create the friction. I'm going to be 100% digital with my NDAs. I'm going to be 100% digital with my SIMs. I'm going to create the friction, you know, further down the funnel. I think there's a lot of different ways to to approach those decisions uh, effectively and, and successfully. But I do think that um, a really well-packaged uh, anonymous summary at the top of the funnel goes a, goes a really long way.
0: That's really good advice because, yeah, you do have to stand out, you know, Against a lot of other opportunities that these these buyers are looking at, and to your point, you know, they're just going to gloss over the ones that you know don't catch the eye right away. So you know, be attention grabbing and catch the rye and have them look at it. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. I think another thing that's helpful for buyers to know from the sell side is like what the sell side's process is going to be. So one of the things that we see a lot sometimes happen on axial is like the sell side will. You know, go to market, Axial will be their marketing partner on a particular deal. They'll approach some set of buyers via Axial. They'll use like a digital NDA. And then they will, after the NDA gets signed, they will, they will, at that point, they will vet the buyer and determine whether or not the buyer should get the SIM and and, and should sort of be invited into like a more, you know, more active dialogue. And, sometimes that really frustrates the buyers because they don't want to sign an nda which is legally binding and then you know not you know not hear from the sell side you know uh or not get the sim so i think just clarity on what is your process when are you going to vet me as the buyer when are you going to determine whether or not you know i'm appropriate to sort of you know bring into the initial process you know, are we gonna do this before the NDA or after the NDA? Just transparency a little bit on on, on how you run the process because the buy side experiences all, all this variation and process. And so when the sell side is transparent about that, I think the buy side really appreciates it. Um it's uh it's like a it's a real mark of um
0: professionalism
1: that I think the buy side can pick
0: up on. Yeah, that's also really good advice. Yeah, lay it all out in the front be transparent and this is the journey that we're going on and this is how it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Any, any industry, you know, based looking back, you know, maybe in 23, maybe looking forward a little bit, I don't know, any industries that you can, you guys have seen that are, I guess, quote unquote, hot industries. Um, you know, if, you know, maybe, maybe industries that your buyers are looking more towards um, or, any you know on the flip side, anything to maybe you know that aren't so high?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, one of the interesting industries that you know this doesn't happen very often, but one of the interesting industries that has a lot of activity and it's picked up in the last couple of years, I would say and it's interesting it's it 's picked up in the world of small business acquisitions and it's also quite an interesting area of venture capital investing is is vertical software businesses vertical market software business in fact, I think there was a cornerstone transaction via axial um, in the fourth quarter of last year um, that was uh, it was a ERP style vertical market ERP business that mm-hmm. cornerstone brought to market through axial um, and transacted with a an axial software buyer um, And we're, we're seeing significant interest in that category. And usually what's interesting in sort of the world of small business acquisitions and lower middle market acquisitions is like the complete opposite of what is interesting and fashionable in the world of like high growth venture capital. This is like a strange, uh, like anomaly of a category where there is a set of very high growth emerging Sort of rapid growth vertical market software businesses that have um, gotten the attention of of like you know venture capital ecosystems and and stuff like that. Um, a good example of one that's now publicly traded is Toast, which is the software system that powers a lot of restaurants. Um, and then there are these small business lower middle market um software businesses that are not rapid growth and they're not going to be you know multi-hundred million or multi-billion dollar businesses but they're very powerful very very deeply entrenched niche software businesses um and some really successful acquisitions uh consolidations um and portfolio companies have gotten built in that category so it's interesting to see a category that has a lot of vc interest in in sort of one Spectrum, and then also happens to be a place where there's a, a significant amount of um, of interest in in the lower middle market. Healthcare is very, um, very interesting right now, um, and very active right now in terms of like an area with significant, you know, significant interest. Um, very high um, pursuit rates. Pursuit rate is a term we use at Axial. So if you if you share a deal with 50 50 members or 25 members the pursuit rate is the, the number that signed the nda and want access to the sim we we see some of the highest pursuit rates on the platform uh right now in healthcare uh, vertical market software um, and a couple of uh, of industrial categories um, the lowest area of interest right now has been sort of like food and hospitality um uh sort of food beverage and, and hospitality um but you know I wouldn't make like those are that that data is true, but i'm not sure it's like wildly predictive. There are some fantastic food businesses and ingredient businesses there are some perfectly successful hospitality businesses that could very successfully transact and so uh, you know I often find that the sort of generalizations and prognostications uh, that are tempting to always make like, you know, in any financial market, yeah, I found that it just, at the end of the day, all of the, it's kind of like real estate, you know, like every situation is different, you know, the house down the street sells and that doesn't, that, maybe that means something, but it probably doesn't mean a whole lot as it pertains to, to your house. You know, every business is super different. You know, there might be some hospitality businesses that are really attractive and others that are, you know out of favor so it's very situational so it's hard to make generalizations that are um that are that are helpful
0: well i appreciate your your effort there i thought that was very helpful insight yeah the the, the software one is is an interesting
1: you know observation you know that we've made i you know i think the healthcare category is is Interesting for some pretty big secular reasons as well as for some cyclical reasons. I think people continue to feel like there is this chance of a recession. There is still this chance out there. Like we've kind of kept on sort of kicking the can for some reason. Like the U.S. has been able to to not go into a recession, but I think there's still this fear that it's potentially out there, um, and so I think that creates an interest in you know in categories that are more you know immune to. Um, you know, to those kinds of uh, cycles. I think healthcare also just keeps on, you know, becoming a bigger and bigger percentage of American GDP. It's just kind of like keeps on swallowing more and more, uh, more and more GDP it keeps on getting more and more expensive, There's, you know, more and more regulatory capture. And those might not be great things for our country from a policy perspective. But as an investor, some of those things create really predictable, very underwritable business cases. And so I think it's it's a sort you know, it, it makes it quite attractive from that perspective.
0: I thought that was great insight. I appreciate you diving into that. Um, now you got you mentioned previously you mentioned the marketing opportunity, the tools that you guys have, one marketing your deal. Two is the is your league tables. Um, mm-hmm. you guys just recently came out with your twenty twenty three top twenty five investment bank low firms. Um, We'll see a couple of Cornerstone International Alliance members on there, so I thought that was cool to see. Um, and you know, tell us about that and why that's beneficial to these firms, because I do think it it can be a huge marketing tool for future business.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the way that we started this project off, which is you know four or five years old now, is you know we we realized that like if you if you go to Google and you punch in, you know, investment bank league tables. As a business owner, you're going to see, you know, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, you know, Morgan Stanley, um, you know, and, and if you're running a 5, 10, 20, 30, $50 million valued business, you know, those league tables as a way to try and maybe filter out like who could be some good investment banks that would help you sell your business. Those league tables just are completely unhelpful to you, right? They're those, the, and so we just we just realized that there was no there was no methodology that was trying to rate and rank and create some visibility on who are the investment banks that are selling lower middle market American companies. Um, it was just kind of white space. Nobody had spent the time to. To gather the data um, and try and do it in a good faith way, and so we were like, "Well, we don't have all of the data from our market. In fact, far from it. We only have the data on the investment banks that are using our platform, um, you know, for for deal marketing. But at least we can, you know, but that's a big data set now. Uh, you know, we have about, you know, we have well over a thousand, you know, investment banking organizations using the Axial platform. Let's just start there." And so the league tables rank the top 25 over, over any given period of time, the league tables attempt to rank the top 25 investment banks who have been, who are using the axial platform. So we, we don't attempt to rate the entire market uh, and include everybody. It's very hard for us to do that. So we just focus on folks who are using the axial platform and we use that as our, as our data set. And we, um, measure the banks on client quality, uh, buy side targeting, process effectiveness and deal outcomes. So we have sort of four pretty logical sort of uh, things that we try and use to to rank banks. Client quality is what is the relative attractiveness of this business when you present it to, to buyers? Like how many are buyers are interested? You know, if you present it to 20, do you get 10 that are interested? Do you get 20 that are interested? Just what is the percentage of interest relative to the 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 width and breadth of your of your outreach? Um buy-side targeting um, is just a reflection of how you're going to market, how are you approaching the market? Um do you just sort of like click the button and select everybody and let it let it you know let it ride? Or do you have a more methodical approach to how you reach out to buyers and maybe you reach out in waves or, you know, you reach out on a more targeted basis? Process effectiveness is looking at how responsive you are to the buyers, your use of digital tools on Axial, um, digital NDAs, digital SIMs. Um, and then um, what is your sort of uh, organization of the funnel and the process post SIM? So you know, bid submissions and how many bids and, you know, just your organizational process there. And then deal outcome is pretty straightforward, right? It's, you know, did this did this deal close and, and um, how long did it take for the deal close and how long was it in the market? So four areas that we can measure, we can measure all of them empirically based upon the platform that we have. Um, and we rank the top 25 and then we have like a bunch of honorable mention categories as well um and the honorable mention categories are for for firms that have done a really really good job in one of those four categories or more but just didn't make the top 25 so roughly speaking every quarter there's about 75 firms that are mentioned um and then at the end of the year we do an annualized league table which is what just came out last week which looks at the total amount of usage over the course of a 365 day
0: day period. Yeah. Cause you do a um, quarterly too, right? Yeah, we do the
1: quarterly one. And then the one that happens at the end of the year is an annual one. Um, and, and then um, we just try and really put our Axial's weight and marketing, um, you know, sort of a uh, megaphone behind it. So we have, you know, uh, I think 11,000 followers on, uh, li- on LinkedIn, uh, we have about seventy five thousand subscribers to uh, the axial online publication middle market review um, and so we w- once we 've published the league tables, we create badges uh, we create signature embeds um, and we create like this press kit for each of the recipients and they can use that kit in their pitches to business owners and they can use that to issue their own press releases but um, you know it's it 's it's it's obviously um, not operating at the scale of like a JD Power and Associates or something like that, but our, our goal is to try and really create good visibility on who are the professionals selling businesses in the lower middle market who are doing a nice job, taking the you know the process seriously, um, and creating great outcomes for business owners, um, and uh, and taking an opportunity to recognize and, and celebrate the the folks that are doing a great job at that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you hit all the, all the points that, you know, when we're looking at selling, hopefully we check all those boxes. Just as general MA and advisors, as advisory firms, we're doing the best job we can for our clients. And I think you guys did a really good job of identifying the key components to that. And I know just talking with our group, firms in our group that have won that award, you know, they like they like to leverage those badges, you know, to promote their firms. And you talked about referrals sources down the road too, that, you know, Obviously, if you're on that list, you're high, you're on higher on your your list to refer out. But you know, also referral sources from from elsewhere too. That oh, these you know these people are you know on Axial's top twenty five list. They got to be doing something right. They got to be a good firm. You know, those are the kind of people that we want to work with.
1: Yeah, that's what we're hoping for, right? You know, we're we're hoping to. That's why I say we're we're trying to be. Um, as holistic and comprehensive a marketing partner as we can be to the sell side m&a profession and that starts with the tools to market deals and market them professionally and carefully um to buyers on the axio platform but ideally that's kind of like a you know a circular um you know a circular relationship where uh you're using the platform to market deals that's creating uh, a profile of record on your firm and the quality of your firm's work and the deal making execution outcomes that you can deliver. And then um, that puts us in a position to help you market yourself and to refer new business your way. And, you know, hopefully we can just kind of do that, you know, better and better and better, and better um, as the product matures and and um, as we grow the sort of trustworthiness of the Axial brand. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do. I, I think it's the the, the trustworthiness, in, in my opinion, from just seeing it within the industry is very strong. I know you guys have a lot of users and I think they really, really value those those recognitions. So thank you guys for doing that.
1: Well, it. Um, I have to say, you know, like 15 years in, it's it is, it's really satisfying to have earned some of the trust that I think we've earned. I will tell you that when I was one year in, there wasn't a whole lot of, it tr- wasn't a whole lot of trust. And I understand that, you know, it's, yeah. it's, um this is a very high trust business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if you're an investment bank, and you're entrusted to sell a business, all of your economic outcome is tied to whether or not you successfully sell the business or not. You know, yes, of course you may take a retainer or something like that, but the good mm-hmm. investment banks make all their money by delivering great outcomes and closing deals. And so, you know, you know, being careful about who your marketing partners are, being careful about what platforms you use, being careful about, you know, just everything about how you go about selling companies. Like it it, it makes sense to be cautious and careful and to, you know, um choose your partners and your vendors wisely because you know, um, these are really high trust transactions. You don't close a lot of deals each year. It's not like you get a hundred chances each year as an investment banker, you know, you get like somewhere between, I don't know, two and five, you know, per managing director, maybe one to three, you know, so, you know, you you need to have a really, you know, when you step up to the plate, you really want to be, you want to be connecting. So, um, so it makes sense that the the industry takes its time, you know, working with with new new tools, new partners. You know that it you know take it naturally takes its time in terms of selecting who it wants to partner with. Exactly,
0: not agree with you more there. Um, well, Peter, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, appreciate you diving into your platform and all the you know nuances and benefits of. Uh, of getting your deals on there and all the marketing opportunities it provides us um, as investment banks, m and advisory firms to not only expose our deal to more quality buyers, which I think is important, uh, but just also, you know, getting your brand out there as an M&A advisory firm to more people. You guys do a great job at that. Um, so thank you again, Peter, for joining us. Where can, you know, our listeners find more information about you, about Axial? How would they go about, you know, connecting with you guys to get on your platform?
1: So um, Axial.com, axial.com is, you know, it's an open site. There's a ton of resources there. You can look at all the league table data and stuff like that. No need for a login or password or anything. So I think that's a very easy place for people to go and just try and get a bit more acquainted with how we're working with buyers, how we're working with the sell side, how we work with business owners um if anybody wants to reach me linkedin is usually a good way to get a hold of me i'm actually pretty uh responsive there um you know usually one or two day uh, or faster in terms of getting you know back to people um if, if anybody wants to reach out to me um and um so yeah you know look forward to hearing from anybody if there's anything we can do and thanks for having me on the on the podcast i hope this hasn't been too much of a um you know no holds barred advertisement for Axial. Um, I, I hope it's uh, uh, hope your hope your listeners uh, have suffered through this um, with a couple of interesting nuggets at least. But I appreciate the opportunity a lot, Nick.
0: No, I, I I think you know you know it was purposeful that we're talking all about your platform because I do I do see the I do see firsthand the value that it provides these MA advisory firms and you know the the whole premise of the MA Mastermind podcast is to to share opportunities and ways to grow your own M&A practice. And I think we've, we've accomplished that goal today, Peter. So again, thank you. Now you have your own podcast, right? Um, wanna, wanna yeah. point that? Yeah, sure. I, I've i got
1: a, a podcast called Masters in Small Business MA. and um, It's definitely a labor of love. I've really enjoyed it. I've been doing it for about three years now. Um, I interview, uh, I try to interview, um, a real mix of guests and I try to interview folks who I think are really talented and very thoughtful and accomplished, but who, you know, are not like known, you know, sort of known, um, you know, like emerging, you know, they're sort of up and coming. They're not like Mm -hmm. well-established all-stars that have been around for, for decades. I mean, I love to interview some of the, some of the known, uh, sort of all-stars in the lower middle market, but I think it's also really fun to try and, go deeper and, and um, find the folks that are up and coming uh, in the various career paths. So yeah, I do that. Uh I publish once or twice a month. Um, and uh, I find that to be a lot of fun in addition to my day job.
0: Your podcast, if I remember correctly, is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, right? Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's on Apple. It's on Spotify. I think you can find it at least on, on one of those two. Um. There's a lot of great podcasts, I think, in our market now um, that I would encourage people to be aware of. I've learned a lot from Invest Like the Best, which is a big podcast run by Patrick O'Shaughnessy. I think um, I think uh, Alex Bridgman's done a great job with Think Like an Owner, which is an interesting podcast. Um, there's a Holdco podcast uh, now. Um, I mean, there's just a lot. There's a lot of interesting ways to learn about the uh, the lower middle market and small business M&A market now. Fifteen years ago, when we were starting Axial, none of these things existed. Twitter was like a complete graveyard when it came to, you know, conversations on small business ownership and acquisitions. Now it's a very robust community that's assembled itself on Twitter. So there's there's a lot of places where people can go today to learn and to ramp up without having to Know anybody or have connections, or there's a lot of places you can go to, like really educate yourself quickly if you're just curious and know how to use the internet. Yeah, That's a good thing.
0: Yep, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, again, Peter, thank you so much uh, for joining today. That's all we have for today's up ep- today's episode. Um, help Peter and myself out by liking, sharing, commenting, subscribing to this this episode of the podcast. Share it with anybody who you think might find our conversation today beneficial. All of our podcast episodes are at cornerstoneia.com slash podcast. Hopefully you found a couple of takeaways today, which, um, and our conversation was great. So Peter, thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Until next time, everyone, take care.